get back after it on a Monday after a weekend full of rain yet again here in Rainsville. It screwed up a lot of things baseball-wise, but didn't screw up a really nice recruiting weekend for Dan Mullen and the rest of the crew. And we're going to talk about both of these things here on Chomp Chat. Jeff Cardozo, Zach Albaverde here with you. It's Chomp Chat, the Florida podcast presented by SECCountry.com. I've got some venting to do. A little bit later on, as uh, baseball does not get played last night, we're told about 10.40 at night after the team's already on the field that uh, you guys got to come back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. That would, of course, be today. And guess what? About 80% chance of rain at 1 o'clock. So the the geniuses have done it again. So I'll uh, probably rip on the NCAA a little bit, the way things were handled, but we're not going to rip on uh, the guys that were in town and I guess, Zach, we hope that these guys are ripping people's heads off because Florida had only five guys come to town, but some legit five-star guys that a lot of people are covering across the country. If it was a huge recruiting weekend for Florida, and especially when you look at the visitors list, uh, not only with top targets, but guys from around the country, all five guys from out of state uh, that Dan Mullen and his staff were able to bring to campus. And I think it was a good you know, setup for them just in terms of it being a, a summer official visit because uh, all these guys that have came and visited other than the Juco tight end had been to Florida before this year. So it kind of got an experience of, of what the culture and everything is like here under Dan Mullen. Uh, some of them got to see the football team uh, in action during the spring. So this visit was more uh, about the official visit experience and really getting to see the school and everything like that. Uh, and with it being summer and kind of some downtime, I think it gave the, the coaches an opportunity to get time with them like they would during a you know a December or a January official visit, unlike during a football season when they got a bunch of stuff going on. So um, I think it was a good setup for them, and you know the, these kids really got to to see the full uh, experience of what Gainesville is like, what the University of Florida is like, uh, and for guys that are coming out of state, that's that's what you want to give them. That's what you want them to show so that they leave Gainesville and don't have any questions uh, that they didn't get answered. And I, I think Dan Mullen and the staff were able to do that this weekend. Well, a bunch of pictures always come out. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the kids ended up choosing the, uh, the, the Army-looking uniform, that green uniform that a lot of people <laughs> didn't like last year, at least fan-wise. But the kids certainly did. And then, Zach, if we had a, uh, I guess, a picture that we had attached to Chomp Chat, it would probably be one that we could do. We stand there, cross our arms, and flex our biceps and looking huge like Dan Mullen did with uh, with that one picture. Yeah, no, he was definitely looking ripped with uh, Chris Steele, the top 50 <laughs> cornerback from, from Cal. Dan Mullen showing off his guns and all the foreign coaches. You know, they got in on the action. Um, it's funny, too, because remember, Mullen said he didn't like that uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you better believe there's no way he wasn't jumping in that picture with Chris Steele, <laughs> um, you know, camo uniform or not. So. Uh, it, it was a really good visit for Chris, his second trip, and I, I think the Gators really made a move here. Um, you know, we know that cornerback is, is a need for them in terms of wanting to go out and get a stud at that position, and, and Chris certainly fits that bill. Um, and being able to get him back on campus uh, in such a short span of time, because uh, he's getting ready to make a decision soon, and he has some other official visits, so the fact that Florida probably has had a chance now to set the bar pretty high that these other schools are going to have to come and live up to. Um, and, and, look, anytime you're recruiting a, a player from California and you're a school like Florida, you know, you worry about that distance factor. And is the guy really 
going to consider your school um, that seriously when it's time to make a decision. I think Steele is a guy, though, that is definitely willing to leave the Golden State. Um, he will go anywhere. He's looked at Oklahoma. He's going to take an official visit to Miami as well. Uh, but, again, I mean, the Gators are very much a serious player here, and this weekend kind of solidified that. Yeah, no, that's certainly a good thing, and uh, good that they got Derek Stingley Jr. back, a, a kid out of Baton Rouge, and he was here for the uh, the orange and blue game and obviously uh, had a, a nice impact there. But, you know, LSU, of course, in the mix with, with him being from Baton Rouge and, and Texas, I know, was a big part of it. But for him to come back and now make this official, it seems like uh, Stingley has uh, you know, got, the, got the interest of the Gators. Yeah, now when he came in the spring game, like you said, Jeff, that was a kind of an eye-opening trip for him. You know, he said that Florida really moved up um, with that trip. You remember he said, I was never bored once. <laughs> during my time in yeah. Gainesville, and, and that kind of you know moved the Gators up. Remember, he named them in his top three as well. So you know it's it's Florida, LSU, and Texas, and and, and this was the Gators' chance to officially impress him. And he came down with some family, and uh, you know his dad actually spoke on his behalf at the airport because Derek didn't want to do any interviews. Um, but it, you know it seems like Florida really made a strong impression on Derek and his family. Um, you know, again, you're talking about a guy that's coming not only from out of state. But a guy that's coming from Baton Rouge that was committed to LSU, so if he's going to leave his his hometown and his home state, he's really got to you know be pulled away by something that's really attractive and is a good fit for him. And he feels like Florida could be that. Um, you know, coming from LSU, we know about that DBU debate, uh, but he sees the Gators as a place that he can go and, and turn himself into a first round corner, have an opportunity to play early, um, and that's why the Gators have a shot here. Now, I will say to our listeners, I mean, I, I will be absolutely shocked if this guy comes. Uh, you know, when he came on his last trip, despite all the good things he had to say, he still said that LSU was his leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't do any interviews after this trip. Now, you know, maybe that, that that's because things have changed and he didn't want to tip his hand, but I'll be very surprised if Ford is able to pull this off. I think if you're looking at, you know, the Gators' chances with two top 50 corners out of state that they brought in, I would probably say they have a better shot with Steele than Stingley right now at this point. Well, yeah, obviously both are good. You just mentioned uh, top 50. 247 has them as the nation's number one and number four cornerback. So uh, if the Gators can even get one of them, that would certainly be a good thing. Well, another good thing would be getting some guys out of Georgia. We know what Kirby Smart's been able to do and keeping guys in state, but uh, you got a four-star defensive tackle. Jalen Humphreys from Lawrenceville was here, and then uh, a three-star guard, Riley Simmons, was uh, was also in Gainesville. So, again, if you can even get one of those guys to, to pull them away from uh, that peach state, that would be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially a guy like Dana Humphreys. I mean, he is a coveted prospect for sure. Defensive tackle out of Lawrenceville um, and a guy that the Gators have really been pursuing. Uh, defensive tackle is, uh, I would say, kind of, a, I don't know if it's a huge need in terms of numbers, but the Gators need to go get a quality guy there. They were not able to sign a defensive tackle in the last class. So they, they want to make sure that they get a quality guy this year. And, and, and Humphreys is is probably one of their top targets, if not the top target. Uh, so getting him on campus, he was supposed to actually be at the grill out. Um, and wasn't able to make it to that, but he came earlier in the spring, uh, saw practice, saw everything that Damo and the team has going on, really like Sal Sinceri as a defensive line coach. And, and so this weekend was, was an opportunity for him to get the full experience of everything outside the football team in practice that he got to see the last time around. Now he's got a lot of SEC schools after him. He's, probably not going to make a decision um, you know, here in the next couple of weeks, unlike the other linemen that they had in town, three-star guard Riley Simmons from Buford, Georgia. Um, you know, he's down to Florida and Virginia Tech 
at this point, and it's going to make a decision at some point this summer. Um, so the Gators, are, again, getting him on campus like they did the other visitors. He came during the spring, saw practice, you know, like what, what he saw, has really kind of bonded with John Hevesy in, in that relationship. And, and, look, they want to sign five offensive linemen in this class, and, and, and uh, they want to really address the interior of the offensive line as well. And he's a guy that could play guard or center for them. They really like his ability and, and, and kind of the physicality that he brings to the table. So I, you know, I think Florida really obviously gave their shot now, and he's going to have to sit down between the Gators and, and Virginia Tech and make his decision. Well, that's an easy decision in my mind, but I'm not in his <laughs> mind, so we'll see how it all plays out. Well, another easy thing to say for me is, Zach, and I say it all the time, that baseball players are by far the best athletes, way more athletic than those basketball guys or football guys. And when you can get a, a combo one, then that's even more special. So we save the uh, the best one for last. This is a Juco tight end, Lucas Kroll from uh, Hillsboro, Maryland. But this dude's got some size. He's 6'7", over 250 pounds. And the Arkansas baseball program is really, really good. They're going to be in the College World Series this year. They're already in a uh, Super Regional. I would expect them to, uh, to get past the Super Regional and make it to Omaha. And if they do, then they would be on the Gators' side of the bracket if Florida's able to make it as well. And Arkansas has been a thorn in the Gators' side for a really long time. It's a great baseball program. And this kid actually signed out of high school to go play baseball at Arkansas. So you know he's got a lot of talent there, but he has dropped baseball and uh, wants to play some football now. With that size, I'm assuming he's a pretty damn good tight end. Yeah, you know, obviously, yeah, six seven, two fifty five. That's that's uh, obviously what you're looking for. That really jumps out at you. And 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 you mentioned the Arkansas signing, Jeff. It's a real real interesting story uh, with Lucas because obviously, if you're signing with the Razorbacks, like you said, given their program, you've got some ability. Um, but you know, yeah, the way his career kind of played out, he just kind of realized that he wasn't going to get the opportunity at Arkansas to really pitch like he wanted to. So he goes the JUCO route and, and did that and. Uh, unfortunately didn't get the opportunities there that he was hoping as well. And I think at some point just kind of realized, hey, maybe baseball is not my route uh, you know, for an athletic career. So he decided to switch it up and, and pursue football. And, and certainly he's got the, the frame for it and the build and everything like that. And, and you know, the tight end is a position of need, as we know, for the Gators. And he would be uh, you know, a class of 2018 prospect, so he'd be a late addition to Florida's last class. Um, and, and, look, the Gators really – uh, I think blew him away this weekend um, to go from where he's been, you know, in the Juco ranks kind of struggling with his baseball career to come to Florida and get this opportunity as a football recruit and see everything he saw in Gainesville. I, I think it was, you know, probably an, an experience for him. Now he's got to go back home to, to Missouri and process everything and, and figure out what he wants to do and what his other options are. But obviously, I think the Gators are, are going to be a hat on the table here whenever he decides. Well, that's good. Uh, what wasn't good, though, was what happened last night. I was hoping this morning we could wake up and Florida would be getting ready to uh, host a Super Regional. Auburn has already beaten the one seed in, in NC State, and that's the regional that the Gators are paired up with. So Auburn will be coming to Gainesville. The Gators can win one more game, and that'll have to happen today now after what was – I think somewhat of a joke in the way things were handled last night. There was a rain delay in the seventh inning of the first game, a lightning delay actually, and then some storms came through and it, it wet the field, saturated the field and in the outfield, but they had it tarped. But and that's common. That always happens, seems to be this time of year. But what also happened was Florida Atlantic was allowed to go back to their hotel. And that means they left the field. And Florida Atlantic was a team that was winning. They were, they were up by five runs. 
at this point, so have a good feeling that they're going to win. But guess what? They had already started playing at 1 o'clock, so they didn't want to play the Gators again. So by them being allowed to go back to their hotel, then getting a phone call and say, all right, come back to the field now, everything's good. Well, guess what? They're going to take their sweet old time. They're not going to hurry. There's not going to be no rush for them because there's no way in hell that they want to play Florida again last night. So they take their sweet old time and end up coming back. The field was ready for a good 45, 50 minutes before they finally started. And then the game ends about 10.35 at night. So at that point, the NCAA decides, hey, we don't want to make these kids play past midnight, so why don't you just come on back to tomorrow? And I don't know if they looked at the radar or what. Like Florida should be playing at 10 a.m. this morning because that's when the weather's fine. But at 1 o'clock, when the game is now scheduled, 80% chance of rain. So just a joke, again, that this Florida baseball team has to do with. They lose all the advantage of getting to compete with a team that's tired, and now Florida Atlantic can bring back some of the pitchers that they threw yesterday. So to me, it's just a big mess, Zach, and uh, I guess we're, we're sort of used to this, but it's just not right. Yeah, well, I'll just say what you said, and you know, between the NCAA and those NBA refs, and the were really screwing up last night, huh? Well, and what happened with softball over the weekend? A, a poor call oh, at yeah, home plate God. ends up losing the game for Florida and cost them their season. Florida would have won the game if, if the, the right call was made at home plate. They have no replay in the sport of, of softball, and that's just another joke. So I just, yeah, bad officiating was uh, – Really bad this weekend, but the Gators have played well to uh, to get to this point. They were were in a fight against um, a really good Jacksonville team, and I think they just sort of blew their load against the Gators because Florida Atlantic then beat them yesterday and pound that out a whole bunch of hits. They they ran out of pitching, but they pitched really good against the Gators. But so did Brady Singer, and I talked to Kevin O'Sullivan after the Gators were able to get to that two and zero mark, and uh, here is that interview that has now propelled them into the championship game of the regional that will happen later this afternoon. Well, this was a, just a heck of a college baseball game. I mean, you know, you know, Jacksonville played really really well tonight. Their, their starter Stockton kind of kept us off balance. You know, the whole night, we, you know, we were fortunate to hit some balls out, um, some home runs there. Um, and the right fielder just made a heck of a play, and it was a two-run swing. He, you know, he saved one from Langworthy and hit one himself. So, um, but I thought Brady Singer was really good tonight and sharp. He was extremely efficient early in the game. And, um, you know, what can you say? Michael Byrne comes in, gives up a leadoff triple. We're guarding the line there. I'm not quite sure how the ball got down the line, and that's my fault. He probably should have been at least one more step closer to the line, and, you know, but we, you know, he kept his composure and and um, and and got out of that inning without them scoring. And then, obviously, he was really good in the ninth again. So it was just a heck of a game. And I, I think, like you said, you know, you know, before we started this interview, that that's, that's three um, uh, games in the regional on the, on the Saturday game that have been one run. You know, we had the UConn game a couple of years ago, six five. I think the score was, and then and then last year we had the extra inning game with South Florida. So this is always a difficult game because obviously. Um, a lot of times people save their number one for you and, and uh, you know, and credit Stockton, he was really good. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, obviously someone then's got to beat you twice and, um, you know, it was just a heck of a ball game. Um, just really proud of the way we played and how we kept our composure because it, you know, could have, you know, uh, you know, went uh, the other way there in the eighth inning. 
no, you're not surprised with uh, with Michael Byrne because you've seen it all and you've seen him do it now for for several years. But to to get a leadoff triple and then now they've got two, three, and four coming up, that's it, not easy. But I know he has just that mentality that you certainly love to have him on the mound and probably nobody else you want there in that spot. Well, you know we you know we talk a lot about heartbeat and he's got the right temperament to be in a situation like that. And I thought that uh, you know he had to make some really quality pitches to the you know to the middle of the order and you know. I, it, you know, Jacksonville played really, really loose tonight, and you know they were aggressive early in the count, and um, and then they kept thinking, you know, with Stockton that at some point, you know, we might get a leadoff walk or something, you know, because he had been throwing so many off-speed pitches and fastball counts, you know. But credit him, you know, he, you know, he, you know, he, he, you know, he bent, but he didn't break, and he made some really big pitches tonight when he needed to. You mentioned uh, the, the home runs for you guys, and, and it's now back-to-back games where, where Dalton and India have done that and the, and the importance of them in, in the middle part of this order because as you guys went through that little slide, Dalton wasn't hitting. So uh, I imagine he came back this week and really looked at himself, worked hard, and you guys as a staff uh, got him back going. And so it's got to be good to see him doing that. Yeah, you know, Jonathan and, and, and Will, you know, Will hit the ball, line drive, center field, you know, that he hit really good, and Jonathan hit a line drive to third. So I know both, both of them only got one hit, and they hit a home or a piece, but I thought they had some really quality at bats, and um, you know, we just—I think one of the things to take away, I think we had struck out four of the first nine hitters through the order, and you know, we I think we gave away some early innings there. We needed to make a, a quicker adjustment, so um, you know, tomorrow whoever we face, that'll be an emphasis of trying to get out of the gate a little bit quicker and and trying to make you know some adjustments at the plate a little bit sooner before we get to the fourth inning. We'll finish this uh, interview like we finished yesterday's interview, Jonah Duran. <laughs> it's uh, the difference in the game, and uh, he, he gets a breaking ball up, and you know, obviously a guy that hasn't really done anything all year. So, again, somebody stepping up that uh, you maybe don't expect to, and, and that was big. Yeah, you know, it, there's always an interesting story. You know, at the end of the year, you have – it's a really neat story. And like I said, you, you know, you go back and, you know, with, with the game that – he caught with Jackson SEC tournament. It just looked clean. It looked really clean, and he's strong. Um, you know, he he's got some power. Obviously, he hit a couple home runs here. You know, this weekend. But I thought he's a, he's got a calming presence behind the plate, and he did a fantastic job tonight catching. And obviously, the home run was the difference. But you know, I'm really really pleased with how he's playing defensively. And it's important what Kevin O'Sullivan just said. I think uh, you want the catcher to play better defensively. you got to be able to control a game, call a game, and do the things that are they're asked of you behind the plate. And even we see it in the big leagues. Not a lot of guys hit all that well, but if you're that guy behind the plate that can, can lead a team and direct a pitching staff, then you have a lot of value. Durant has certainly done that, and obviously the home runs have been uh, a little added extra that uh, helped the Gators beat Jacksonville. So again, the plan is to play at 1 o'clock today, but a lot of rain scheduled for this afternoon again in Gainesville. The Gators will take on FAU, a team that will have to beat Florida twice the game times are scheduled for 1 and 6 o'clock if FAU is able to win that first game. Jackson Coar will pitch in the first one. But that's another quirky part about what's going on today. The Major League Draft starts tonight, and Brady Singer will be a first-round pick. Jonathan India will be a first-round pick, and so will Jackson Coar. So Jackson Coar will be pitching today knowing that he's going to be a millionaire at some point later tonight, and that's always just the most difficult thing. Really tough to go out there and try to compete when – all of that is on the line. So you hope that Jackson Coar's head is uh, in what is happening here in Gainesville and then uh, go out and 
collect the money afterwards, but uh, just a quirky situation. It sucks that the Gators have to be playing today, but hopefully they go and play well in that first game and then get back on track because if weather pushes everything back, then you're into Tuesday, and then guess what? Then your pitching's all messed up for the Super Regional, whereas Auburn's done right now. They're sitting pretty. They're waiting to come to Gainesville with uh, their top guy and Casey Mize, who might be the number one pick in the draft. So it's going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Chomp Chat. For Zach Albaverde, I am Jeff Cardozo. Hope everybody has a wonderful day. It's the Florida Podcast, presented by SECCountry.com. <laughs>